Hello, I'm Delaney Rustin, physician and filmmaker of the Screenagers movies, and this is the Screenagers podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about strategies that can help parents, including those who are divorced, who are in conflict over screen time limits. And I'm jazzed to have on the program today, Laura Kastner, who's an author and clinical psychologist, and Dr. Tammy Fisher-Husson, who's also an author and a school counselor, specialist in education, and they both have spent decades working with kids, teens, and parents. Before we get into that, how do we know that having some limits is helpful for our kids? Here is Doug Gentile, who's been doing work on media, screen time, and kids for the past 20 years. This is my favorite study I've ever done. We tracked over 1,400 families of third through fifth graders. We tracked them for a year. We talked to the kids. We talked to the parents. We talked to the kids' teachers. We talked to the school nurses. We got a lot of information about these families. And if we look across a school year, we found that when parents set limits on the amount and content of children's screen media, it is a powerful protective factor for kids. When we look out at the end of the school year, those kids whose parents were setting these limits, they're getting better sleep, which in turn related to lower weight gain, so lower risk for obesity. They are getting better grades in school at the end of the school year. They are more pro-social in their behaviors as rated by teachers, which is pretty remarkable because the teachers have no idea what the rules for media use at home are, but they see the behaviors in the classroom. And they're less aggressive, again, as rated by teachers. There are two things that fascinate me about this. First of all, these aren't the same type of outcome variable, right? That's physical health, school performance, and social wellness. Those three different types of outcome indicators don't usually co-occur like this. But this one thing of setting limits on amount and content of children's screen media influences all of them. So it's a ripple effect that extends out into time and widely out across this wide range of health and wellness indicators. But the more interesting thing to me is that no parent will ever know that this is happening, that they're having this effect, because you're never going to know that your child gained less weight than he would have, or is getting better grades than she would have gotten, or is more pro-social than he would have been. You only know what your kid is. And this is why parents feel powerless. They can't see the effect they're actually having because that would be a different reality. If they let loose the rules, then their kid would be a different way. But they can't know what that is. It takes someone like me who can come in from the outside to measure it, who can see it. Douglas's research and others continue to show how having some limits benefits our kids. How do we do this as parents when we often have different views on what limits should be? I know this all too well. My husband and I have had our fair share of disagreements over issues around screen time limits. Now, we've all heard over and over how important it is to show a united front to our kids about things like rules. And this reminds me of a conversation I recorded with parents of a daughter, and we were talking about the rules related to what time her daughter gave them her phone at night. It sounds like you guys are pretty aligned. It wasn't like your daughter said, well, can I have it more? And you said to your daughter, oh, well, it's your mom. Talk to her if you want it later. No, no we don't play that. We, <laughs> we really try to avoid that. that. 
Yeah. Even though she does try to drive a wedge, she's a very good negotiator, so she'll try that strategy. But we we pretty much we pretty consistently shut that down. They are annoyed that we're so in sync and that they can't play that because the form shopping doesn't work. Yeah. The what shopping? Oh, it's a lawyer term. So we're both lawyers. Forum shopping. It's it's a term of when you like you choose a court because you think it'll be friendlier to you, like a federal court versus a state court. So sorry, I couldn't help our myself. Kid, yeah, our kids can't. They don't think to themselves like, "Oh, mom is easier or dad is easier." They're just annoyed because they know if the answer is something from one, it's probably it's almost certainly going to be the same. Okay, so there's definitely lots of good things about United Fronts. But what about bringing some conflict out into the open at times? Here is Dr. Laura Kastner, author and child and adolescent clinical psychologist. I've always said that young people should see their parents in conflict when the parents are in, on good behavior. Modeling, constructive problem solving, and conflict resolution is a gift. The key is that self-discipline when you're engaged in conflict in front of your children of, are you validating? You know, you have every right that that opinion. I don't agree with it, but you have every right to that opinion. This is not right, wrong. This is my comfort zone versus your comfort zone. That was nice. Why don't you do that? Instead of saying, you know, you always do this and you never support me and you don't have your best the children's best interest at heart, or you'd certainly want to back me up on uh, having more sleep, that's got to go, right? Always, never, criticism, not listening, not validating. So it's all about how good the communication skills are. Of course, though, there are times when we as parents are feeling really revved up about these topics, and then what? And if it's the other type, if the criticism and belligerence and stonewalling and, and passive aggressive and accusations, if that is ending up coming out, then absolutely take it to your next really hilly walk that you're going to take <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and, and clean it up and then bring it home again. I had this couple and they were the most argumentative. They never got anywhere. And then, but I knew that they both worked at, oh, we'll make it up. Let's make it Microsoft. It wasn't Microsoft. I said, well, how do you problem uh, problem solve there? And they said, well, we have a whiteboard and we generate options and then we evaluate them. We always make sure there's 10, not two, so it can't be polarized. And then we evaluate them and we make a plan with the whiteboard instead of how they argue as parents. And they, so the whiteboard allowed them to not get in the, the polarized process because you're having to have five options. And then the kids get to you know join in and, and uh, evaluate the options. And it keeps you focused on the whiteboard rather than a fight with your opponent. I wanted them to remember, what are your most impressive professional skills that you can bring to your family? Because you know, we just don't do that. We don't treat our family members like our most important client. Okay, so now whether behind closed doors or not, I wanted to get more insights around what to do when one parent wants a limit to happen and the other parent is not for it. I asked Dr. Tammy fisher Husson to weigh in. She's an author and longtime school counselor and parent coach. She reminds me how key it is that we first and foremost spend time letting our partner know the things we do appreciate about their parenting. You have this, you know, irrefutable evidence of your partner's deep care for the child. 
here's the evidence I've seen when you do this, when you're, you know, you go out and you play with them, you come up with creative ideas, you care deeply about their brain. I get to just flood the greatness of that other parent because clearly what we can agree upon is we both care deeply about our child. I know for me, it's easy to default to seeing our conflicts and getting just really frustrated and not taking the time to appreciate and say out loud the things that I see that are working well and all the strengths he shows all the time as a parent. Tammy goes on to explain the role of sometimes giving in to the other parent's wishes around limits. Let's say I, as a a mom. I won't have strict boundaries. I've read a lot about this. I'm concerned about the screen use. And let's say my partner doesn't is less concerned about it. Maybe they themselves do a lot of gaming on their own or they're on the device and, and they will tout that nothing is wrong with them or whatever the story is. Any one of these kind of conflict conversations, one of the best is to say, I get that you, that this isn't important to you. I understand that this isn't a value that you think is, is matters, but it's a value that, that really matters to me. And there's so many other things in life that you've appreciated about me. If you could give this, if you could honor this value in me and we could give it a try, you know, and I understand it's not your line in the sand. And I appreciate you helping me despite that, just because right now we're in a difficult time. And I'll tell you what, in the future, when it's your turn, there's something you're really deeply passionate about. And I don't really then, you know, I mean, that is, that is, that's relationship. It's a give and take. What does it say in our partnerships when we're able to take, you know, influence from another person? That's a significant factor in a successful relationship. So when we in small little bite-sized pieces can say, wow, I really appreciated that you did this, or I know that 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 isn't how you wanted to do it, or you didn't really care about that, but that you allowed us to set that boundary. This really supports me as a person in relationship with you and makes me confident that we're going to be able to continue to parent well together. For sure, there needs to be a balance of this and not just one person always giving in. If it's always like that, you know, if, they're, if that individual is never going to give influence to your ideas or your suggestions as a parent that are well-founded based on evidence that's out there, what they're saying about screens and screen uses, that's a flag. What about other approaches? One of the things we therapists talk about is sometimes if you just split it down the middle and you're both crimped and neither one of you gets your, you know, uh, your values a hundred percent, but at least the energy in the family around conflict or wedging or the child using energy to wedge the parents goes away. If you just said, let's split the difference. I'm always trying to get people to come to the middle because we often think that parents are not, the kid is not suffering as much from a policy, a little to the restrictive end or a little bit to the um, permissive end as much as they're suffering from the polarization. So I try to bring them together. Let's say they it was four hours of social media versus one hour. Okay, that's a big difference. But if they just split the difference, which often parents have a hard time doing because they feel so, you know, emphatically about their position, but then the kid spends all her time or his time going, there's a mean one and there's a nice one. And then the, the, the hardliner resents the, the more permissive one and all the energy that goes into that arguing and polarizing and the soft line, the hardliner and the soft liner that, boy, we could just have a policy and move on to other things like manners and homework and sleep and nutrition, but we spend all our time arguing about social media. 
What does Laura say about when parents are divorced and kids are dealing with different screen time approaches in each household? Kids really do adapt to two completely different homes. So that's not the problem. Let's say there's one home, no social media. The other one, there are no limits. They figure it out, just like so often they do camps or schools or other families or visiting grandma. The problem in that, of course, is that the parent that has the more stringent rule is afraid that there'll be less love, they'll lose less uh, relationship, and then they spend a lot of time resenting the parent that's more permissive, right? They have to just pick your battles if this is important to you to have stringent limits. Then you have to just look at that overall rubric of saying, is it a, are you mostly positive in the household? Do you have some laughs? Overall, you're pretty sure you're not too strict on other things because when you do, if you are tyrannical, if you are too restrictive and you lose that trusting relationship, who cares about your rules? They're not working. And half the reason why we, we do the socialization rules that we do is to prepare them to be well-adjusted and successful in life. And it's out the window if they spend all their time hating you. So many great points made by my guests today. For me, I always think that the beauty in life is the diversity of ideas and opinions each and every kid and each and every adult brings to the table. And the challenges of life are exactly related to that diversity. Our greatest instrument as a human is our ability to change the way we communicate depending on the person we are communicating with. We can hone our skills to connect more effectively. And yet, talk about a tricky dance. We can hone our skills, and yet we can't control the way the other person communicates back with us. I'm so glad you're here with me today to think about these dances and to think about the dances you're currently trying to better master as best as possible with whoever you may be parenting with and, of course, with the young people in your life as well. That's it for our show today. And one quick thing, my new book, Parenting in the Screen Age, can be found at ScreenAgersMovie.com, as well as you can learn about chapter clubs related to the book and how you can watch the Screen Agers movies right now with your kids and so much more at the website. Thanks to the parents who were in the show today. And to learn more about the work of Doug Gentile, Laura Kastner, and Tammy Fisher-Husson, Go to our website, Screenagers Movie, and check out the podcast page, which has show notes. Thank you to Lisa Tab, my co-producer. I'm Delaney Rustin, editor and producer of the Screenagers podcast, and I would love for you to share the show and let us know ideas for episodes you want to hear about. 